Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It's another encore show for you here at the Advertising Show. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production today for you from 08. We have uh, David Labonte. He had just written a book called Shiny Objects Marketing. Sound interesting? Uh, David is also a senior strategic executive over 30 years in marketing and advertising. And it was a great interview back in 08, a great one to listen to today here at the Advertising Show. Enjoy. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Uh, these are the three largest selling soft drinks. Now, let's have a look and see what makes them so popular. Uh, As promised on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, our special guest this weekend, David Labonte, uh, president and partner of Ad Matrix, an Orange County, California-based marketing and advertising agency. And uh, basically, his agency has become a destination for companies seeking a way to discover their customers' shiny objects. David, it is so good to have you here on The Advertising Show. Welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate being invited. Yeah, and welcome to our listeners in North America and around the world. Uh, describe, David, if you will, the central hypothesis of your book, please. Sure. The basic premise of the idea is that if you can make your product or your service a shiny object to your prospects, they'll be naturally attracted to you, and thereby you become extremely successful doing so. And as opposed to persuading somebody to do something that they may or may not want to do, the idea behind shiny objects is you, you, you find out what elements of what you're selling has a natural attraction to your customers, so you don't have to persuade them. They're instinctually attracted to it. So persuasion is not required if you can incorporate the shiny object marketing idea. That's right, and there's nothing wrong with persuasion. Persuasion works very well. It's a, it's a time-tested, proven technique. But it's often uh, difficult. You have to find out a lot of information about the person. You have to overcome objectives, objections. You have to uh, construct a very difficult argument sometimes, uh, whereas with shiny objects, we really dig down uh, to deeper levels, too, that are more instinctual in nature. Well, let's talk a little bit about why consumers or, or just people in general, I suppose, are attracted to shiny objects. You give the example of Apple's Macintosh computer as how survival needs can override developmental needs. Talk a little bit about this, David. Sure. Uh, one of the things we use in uh, uh, shiny objects marketing is we actually go back all the way to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We, uh, if, uh, if you can relate to those needs, you're going to have a much stronger attraction uh, the basic, very basic level is survival needs. Uh, those are things like food, water, shelter. Uh, and then from there, you move up to uh, developmental needs, which are social interaction, uh, self-esteem, those sort of things. Um, uh, fast food companies, uh, pizza companies, those sort of things, they really focus on those uh, survival needs. I think you were, you were talking a little bit earlier in your show about... Uh, Pizza, 
uh, being available on TiVo. Mm-hmm. And uh, brilliant, actually genius, because when you're sitting there watching this, up pops a shiny object, in this case pizza, <laughs> relates right to a survival need, uh, your hunger, and you get uh, and survival needs need to be taken care of right away. The only problem with survival needs is once they're fulfilled, they kind of go away for a while. They always come back. But the stronger needs are the developmental needs, and that's what Mac has done, too. Uh, Mac has created uh, a whole community of Macanites, you might call them, the, the <laughs> Church of Mac, so to speak. And so to the point that if, you know, we in our agency here, uh, we use both Macs and PCs, but in the uh, those that use Macs, if you say anything bad about a Mac, it's almost heresy. Uh, and, and Macintosh, the, if you look carefully at their commercials, they're very skillfully put together. So not only are they trying to convince people who are maybe not decided which platform to go for, they're reinforcing those people who have already made that decision that they're somehow better and superior than those dweebs that keep buying PCs. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they had a great ad this past week that they were running at least over and over again. I saw it like five times on CNN. Uh, with the Mac PC guys, and what a great job of casting the perfect people and sending the right message. The, the uh, PC guy wanted to take the uh, uh, the little uh, customer satisfaction meter and bend it so that it became unsatisfactory, and he broke it off. And uh, you know, I love I love the campaign that they've done for that. I haven't seen that one, but the interesting thing is, shiny objects are fairly universal. They're not regional based and so on. And that concept, for example. Here in the United States, we don't necessarily see it, but they've extended that concept around the world. They use the same pair of characters, but uh, geographically changed for the region, whether it's in Asia or Europe or uh, in England. They take those same kind of characters, but the same basic shiny object message they put out there, and it works around the world. You know, it sounds like, as you were describing developmental versus survival needs, that... um I don't know. It would seem to me that it would be more challenging if your product uh, were in the survival category, if you will, like uh, consumer product goods or fast foods, whatever, and that the, to to make your product a bright, a, a shiny uh, marketing uh, promoted product, it would seem more challenging than a developmental need type product. Well, they certainly have their both have their challenge set of challenges. Uh, for the most part, developmental needs. You can. They have a, a much stronger initial reaction. So if you can cue into that, like Carl Jr. does here locally, uh, with their hamburger spots, they they promote these juicy, drippy, you know, hamburgers. Expensive. <laughs> they get you salivating. They create that experience. They get they're reaching into that. So you're actually almost experiencing that vicariously by watching the commercial. And you, your stomach might actually start feeling hunger pains, <laughs> and and thereby associating that with the brand promise of fulfilling and making that hunger go away. Very, very powerful, very strong. But also, once it's fulfilled, it goes away. So the challenge is you have to fulfill it. You have to make that experience uh, extremely meaningful. Uh, because, interesting, pe- people remember experiences more than they remember products. Remember the interaction they had with a, a product rather than the product itself. It's very, very key when you're relating at um, those survival needs level because 
once you've fulfilled that and you've moved on, you have to remember what that experience was like. Otherwise, you may go to a different brand. On the Advertising Show, our special guest this weekend is David Labonte, author of Shiny Objects Marketing. ShinyObjectsMarketing.com is the website. And as Brad said, it's a Wiley publication as well. With Ray Schillings, Brad Forsyth, we have more with David in just a minute. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Back with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe this weekend. It's David Labonte out of California, Southern California. David is an agency guy and also the author of a book called Shiny Objects Marketing. David, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I understand at your firm you conduct shiny object workshops to show uh, your clients and, and participants how to develop a tool called the shiny object quadrant. Uh, David, I, I was thinking that we could have our little own mini workshop here today. If you could give us kind of an overview, if you will, and some insight into this process. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, in, in, like you said, in the workshop, we have this tool called shiny objects quadrants, and the idea is to categorize potential shiny objects as their, uh, in their potential of being successful or not. Uh, the point being that a shiny object, may, uh, an object or a service or a product may be a shiny object to somebody, but if you can't fulfill it, it doesn't, it, it provides you no benefit to try to go do it. Basically, the quadrant is made of two axes, two intersecting axes. One axis is the desire to have, and the other access is the ability to provide. The desire to have is strictly from the consumer level. How much do I want it? Forget about price. It's just the raw desire to have it on a scale of 1 to 10. You know, 0, I don't want it at all, or 10, is I've got to have this no matter what. And then the ability to provide is strictly from the, the company standpoint. How realistically can I provide this shiny object? either zero, not at all, or ten, yeah, I can be asleep and I can provide this, no problem at all. And what you do, the, the, the intersection of these two uh, axes creates four quadrants. Uh, in the lower left quadrant, we call that lead weight, which is low ability to, low desire to have and low ability to provide. In other words, nobody wants it and you can't provide it. <laughs> so we call that lead weight. But it's amazing how many companies continue to pursue products in that category and they just continue to drag the company down and sometimes into ruin. And then the upper left quadrant is high desire to have, but low ability to provide. And we call that the mirage, because it sure looks like the real thing. I'm Excuse me, that's fool's gold, because it sure looks like the real thing, and there's a strong desire to have it, but it's worthless, because we can't provide it. There's no way we can possibly get there. Then the uh, up, lower right quadrant is... Um, very uh, high desire to have and low ability, I mean, high desire to provide, low ability to, to provide. That becomes what we call a mirage because although it looks like the real thing, we can't get there. We can never, ever provide it. The upper right quadrant is the sweet spot. That's high ability to provide and high desire to have. And that's where when we go through the workshop with companies and we identify 
we start with maybe 30 or 40 potential shiny objects. The ones that end up in that quadrant are the ones that really have the potential to move them forward. Hmm. That's interesting. And, uh, you know, I guess you, we just saved all of our listeners, what, $250 admission to your uh – to your workshop, well, I don't there, think you Dave. gave it all away, Brad. I think there's well, probably more true. to learn. Yeah. No, that was very that was very interesting. As I hear that, David, I'm wondering how do you uh, determine uh, consumer uh, desire? There is that research, or is that how, how do you do that? That's an excellent question. In in the workshop itself, uh, we try to have a very broad mix of people: people from sales, people from operations, people from marketing, uh, so that we have a very broad perspective. And in that case, we have maybe 15 to 20 people. Typically, the group itself comes up with some pretty very accurate uh, assessments of the shiny objects. Although we always have the caveat, okay, this is just an internal perception. It's best that we go outside and test these things with research. Uh, and there could be a, there's a variety. We can either do you know, focus groups. We can do uh, online surveys, uh, mall intercepts, depending on what the product and service is. We can go then and then test those shiny objects with customers to see if indeed they did identify the right ones. And in how many cases are your participants uh, looking at launching a new a product or service versus looking for validation of an existing product or service? I'd say it's about half and half. Uh, the validation is an interesting one because... Uh, many companies we deal with have products that have been selling for a number of years, but they've lost sight of really what is the shiny object of this product. And there's been competitive intrusion, there's been market erosion, they're not selling it as well as they used to, and their studies are telling them there's still a high demand, so how come we're not selling it? Uh, that's typically because the company has lost vision of what the shiny object is, and the, the workshop helps bring that back in focus. Our special guest here, uh, David, hang on just one moment. Uh, we'll continue that talk here in just a moment. Uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. David Labonte, author of Shiny Objects Marketing, here with Ray and Brad. Stay with us. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. You ate too much. The cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. The book is called Shiny Objects Marketing with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here on the Advertising Show. David, thanks for being with us this weekend. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, and I think, uh, David, right before the break, you were about to launch into uh, new products and how that relates to the uh, quadrant, as you were explaining. Yeah, new products present a particular challenge because they're new. You don't have the track record with them, and you might have some competitive uh, history that you can kind of look at, And but, but if, particularly if it's a new product technologically, you don't have that track record. So it becomes the, the nuances of really developing the shiny objects becomes a little more difficult. And um, to, to, to work into those four quadrants, the group has a less chance of being accurate, a pretty good chance still, but as a group, less chance of being accurate than if they are at the product as a validation of an existing product. Yeah, I would think, because you're at that point, if you're researching, you're actually asking, I guess, potential customers to, to determine whether they would use a product that they currently are not, uh, not purchasing, and I guess in many cases getting along fine without it. But I see the challenges of what you're describing there. In your book, David, you mentioned something that you call... Uh, 
shiny object syndrome. What, what exactly is that? I call that the evil twin, because uh, if you actually Google uh, shiny objects on the Internet, most all the references are negative and defined as a shiny object is something that distracts you from your main focus in life or what should be your main focus in life. Really? But, uh, but I take the premise of what if those shiny objects are your main focus in life? Shiny objects are, are not necessarily just objects. There can be principles like freedom, uh, security, family happiness, a better job. All of these things are shiny objects, and so they often are the most important things in your life. So uh, that's why I call the shiny object syndrome, which others describe as this search for things or the distraction by things that you shouldn't be focusing on, uh, I, I look at it from a different perspective, that the, the shiny objects, we should understand them. Even the, even the distractions, we should understand, because once you understand why you're distracted, then you can deal with it yeah. rather than just ignoring it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, I don't think we have time this segment to, to go through uh, all of the, the five keys in your book that you describe as to how to create a brand that is a powerful, as you call it, uber shiny object. But there is a distinctly different and important way that you go about uh, creating the shiny object for a brand as opposed to a product or service, correct? That's correct. You know, in the book, in the book and in our workshops, we go into great detail on this. The first principle of a shiny object is grabbing attention, but it doesn't end there, and that's what most people think of a shiny object. The other four principles are create curiosity, stimulate the urge to touch, activate an emotion, and then create a demand to own. And all four of those principles are equally as important in making that shiny object carry through to a sale and a very long-term customer. Let's say that you're in a, a crowded business category, and many of our listeners around the world are in marketing and advertising and are in charge of either a client's advertising or sometimes working on the advertisers uh, on the client side of the business in charge of one particular uh, client, that being their bosses. So let's say your particular business category is a, a very competitive and crowded category. Are there... Uh, are there any special ways that a company can go about uh, separating their product and service to stand out among the best using your shiny object marketing ideas? There are. In fact, we uh, talk about that in, in the book in, in that it's, it's likened to walking into a room with lots of shiny objects. How do you make your particular shiny object stand out? Shinier. We, yes, exactly right. We, 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 we actually treat it sort of that way, like a shiny object. You, you make it shinier. And that could be in package design, that could be in the message that you're providing. Uh, or another thing you can do is you put it in a glass case as though it's something special. Not everybody can have this. Uh, it's a very, you know, uh, some of the high-end automobile companies do a very good job with this. It's not designed for everybody. It's only for a very select few can have this product. Uh, or you uh, take it to uh, another level where you... Uh, make it shinier because of the logo design or uh, the actual graphics that you're using, that sort of thing. Uh, let's hope that the, uh, the Shiny Objects uh, marketing book is one of the shiniest objects on the shelf at your favorite bookstore as well. And David, we wish you well with, uh, with the book. And uh, again, go, go grab it. Uh, shinyobjectsmarketing.com is where you'll find out a little bit more about that. David, it's been a pleasure having you here today on the Advertising Show. Thank you very much. We Our thanks to David Labonte for being with us today for this Encore show here at the Advertising Show. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. 
Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production with the faithful help for so many years from our good friends at Shipple.com. That's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. That's our web marketing company, guys. Check it out at Shipple.com. Hope you enjoyed today's show, and we will talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.